We are live. Another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Scudetto celebration, my friends. Although, to be honest, I'm going to be celebrating until a new champion is crowned. Hopefully, that's years away. It might be (laughs) a year away, but I'm going to keep celebrating until that time comes. Alex Dono, of course, alongside Jerry Mancini, as always. And I I know, uh, Jerry, I I know you're bummed about Lazio. Uh, You're also, you're the number one Interista in my book. So, uh, of course... You had to be part of this Scudetto celebration. Jerry, by the way, hates it that just because like he, he writes some some stories on an Inter site on the serpents of Madonina, that now people are accusing him of being an Inter supporter, and it, it drives him crazy. So I like to poke the bear. Jerry is the number one Interista. I tell everybody, Jerry, you are allowed to celebrate with us whenever you want to. And I showed you that photo the other day, Jerry, of in some of the celebrations in Milano, there were actually Lazio fans waving the Lazio flag, celebrating with the Interisti. I'm sure that has something to do with like the twins, Corvas, the Corva Nord for both clubs or whatever. But listen, man, if there are Lazio supporters celebrating on the streets of Milan with Interisti, I will let you celebrate with us. Sir. Jerry, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I was shocked to see that because I, you know what, I'm the one who throws a lot of banter on Twitter, but I'm also the one to throw it right back at myself. And I'm not shy to. I like the fun and just spicing it up. But when I was calling out a Roma fan for being with the Inter fans, and I I kind of like insulted him. Then literally people were showing pictures of Lazio. I was like, oh man, I I have to take that down. But you know, I I, I left it and, and and just chewed it. But but there's the history of Lazio and Inter. Like I think like they're, they're best friends. And and I and I laugh when. Some Lazio fans say I hate Inter, and I see a few Inter fans say I hate Lazio. And it's like, okay, hold on, they're not rivals. Like they they support one another. Like there's a, a long time history between them. Now I don't want to get into the politics and all that stuff. That's not what I really care about. It's just the fans itself appreciate and, and respect one another. And and in, I don't know who said it to me, and, and I agree that it's Inter and Lazio versus. Napoli, Juventus, no, not Napoli. Sorry, it's it's Inter and not Inter in, in Lazio versus Roma, Juventus, and Milan. That's what it is. Like that's that's just the narrative I kind of find. Where those three always have something against art clubs, and there's always like an ultimatum or something. Well, like for for me, it's like when you talk about rivals. I'm not even that upset. I'm really not upset at all about Mourinho going to Roma. Now, that that's probably a whole different conversation with Jerry because he's a Laziale. But for me as an Interista, really the only things that could have broken my heart were, of course, Mourinho to Juventus. But I, I don't think in a trillion years he would do that. I mean, may, maybe if that's literally the only team that would offer him a job. But if he had any, even if it was like the Portuguese second tier, he would probably take a job there over Juventus, like that would obviously bother me. And and yeah, Mourinho to Milan would have bothered me, but Mourinho to Roma, it's you know, it's not it's not really uh it's not really a rival. And I'm not like I'm not saying that as like banter on the size of their club or anything, but like historic rivalry, it's really for me the hatred is for Juventus, uh and and a little bit towards Milan as well. Uh let's bring in our, our special guests. And yeah, as uh, as Art Morelli said, yeah, it's a it's a live chat with Jorge Interisti. We're celebrating, bro. We're celebrating Art. We're we're celebrating until a new champion is crowned, which is at least a year away. Uh, I want to welcome in first Anthony Privatera, who does a great job with Inter Worldwide. And just so people know, I'm going to be uh, doing a spot uh, with Anthony for his channel 
uh, as well uh, after we wrap this one up. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Anthony, congratulations, sir. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Congratulations to you and every other Interisti around the planet. Uh, we deserve it as fans. 11 years is a long time to be not, not crowned champion of your country when you still have 18 league titles and you expect to gain some sort of success season in, season out. So well earned from all the fans. Uh, they're a huge reason why this club has been able to withstand so much of adversity in the last decade. And yeah, I'm with you, man. I won't stop celebrating until they crown a new champion, which is a long time away. So the party's in its very early days, man. And thank you for having me again. And I hope it's a really, really long way away. And I know by me saying that, there's going to be people in the live chat that are going to, they're all financial experts. They're going to tell me about Steven Zhang's debt and all that. I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that right this second. We also welcome in our good pal, Mikey, who does an awesome job on the Brothers of the World pod. Uh, we would have also invited Hristo on. G give him my best, but I think it's like five in the morning right now where he lives. So I, I, I don't think that was going to work out. Luckily for Anthony, even being in Australia, they're so far ahead of us in the time zone that it's daytime for him when it's nighttime for us. So it works out every now and then. But Mikey, Brothers of the World, man, congratulations to you, sir. How you doing? Yeah, thanks, man. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, first trophy for me as an Interista. I mean, I came in 2014, uh, drugged myself all the way through the mud. And yeah, Hristo, um, props to him if you're listening to this. What's up, man? Um, he's out in Macedonia, keeping up the Brothers of the World name. You know, got to be worldwide on that. But uh, it's good to be back on. It's good to have a trophy. I don't know what to do with my hands half the time now talking about a trophy. I'm like... What what do you guys do? How do you celebrate this? I don't. I'm used to the losses. I don't know much about the wins. Yeah, and, and it's also like uh, it, it's sort of a weird way to celebrate. And, and Anthony, I want your take on this as well because normally, like even when Inter are winning Scudetti, it's usually in the most dramatic way possible, right? Like it, it usually comes down to the final match day, and you need a win, and you need some other result. So. Like even even if we go back a few weeks ago when Inter had like a big like 10, 11 point lead in the standings, I, I still wasn't convinced it was going to be easy. Right. A part of me was thinking, OK, they're going to go on like a three game losing streak here and make this super dramatic. So I don't know if it's better or worse that they clinched it with four games still left. And we will talk a bit about the Sampdoria game yesterday, which was played with no pressure. And it turned out to be a really, really fun score fest, which was awesome. But. Uh, like as an Interista, Anthony, I almost don't know what to do with myself. Like Mikey's talking about not how knowing how to celebrate a trophy, and that's very valid. I also don't really know what to do with myself when Inter clinched that trophy in the least dramatic way possible when there's still four games left to play and no pressure the rest of the way. Yeah, well, in terms of seeing Inter win Scudetti, it was around about 2005, 2006, obviously, when we went on that little bit of a run, and we won that first title pretty comfortably because there was absolutely no competition in the league. But straight after that, besides being the dominant side in the league, it always did go down to the wire where we started to drop games and we went down to the last game to Roma, um, where Zlatan Ibrahimovic had to come off the bench to score two goals against Parma to make sure that we could seal that Scudetto. You know, that one looked scary for about 60 minutes in the last game of the season there. And then there was the all-famous Siena goal for Diego Milito in the 55th minute as well, where we had to wait again. Um, yeah, so no nothing has ever come easy to Inter fans. And, you know, I don't think many Inter fans, I don't think I need to digress to the way we had to qualify for the Champions League under Luciano Spalletti. That oh was proper gosh. heart attack worthy, man. Like that was, uh, no fan should ever have to go through that. That was really bad. 
Um, so to win it in a very anticlimactic way, yes, maybe it would be better to win it on the pitch in some sort of way, like against Sampdoria. But I think this side, especially if we can keep the core together under Antonio Conte and Marotta, we're going to challenge for the league in the next year, two, three, four. We will be up there challenging. There is plenty of time for drama and dramatic finishes. I'm taking this one as early as it comes, straight on the chin, because we have been the best side all season. We knew deep down we were going to win this Scudetto. We have just been hurt and burnt so many times. We, we couldn't say it, you know, you're live on air all the time. I have my channel as well. I had a big fear of looking stupid the whole time. But oh my God, here yeah. we are, man. And I'm just happy that it came because, yeah, in any way, shape or form, bro, Campione d'Italia. You know, and I, I throw a lot of respect to Jerry, and I will remind everyone he is a Laziale. You can see the Lazio logo on his shirt. But uh, first of all, uh, Jer Jerry and I, we, we ride or die together. Like, I, I really I wanted uh, I wanted Lazio in Champions League. I'm, I'm obviously disappointed uh, at their result against Fiorentina yesterday. But, you know, Jerry, uh, on the one end, and we'll get to that, but uh, you, you've even gotten to a point, Jerry, where you, you've been writing about Inter a lot this year. You've been doing some of the post-match recaps, winners and losers for Serpents of Madonina. Uh, what has really stuck out to you, Jerry? Because I, I really thought that a turning point for Inter was really, I, I think, the 2-0 uh, the against Juventus is where I think a lot of us had the confidence that, okay, this team might really be able to do it this year. And, of course, within a few weeks after that, they were in first place. They won a Milan derby. But... If we look at the Inter, Jerry, from early in the in the season, early in the 2020-2021 campaign, uh, there was a lot of sloppiness at the back. Um, he, Conte was really, for a while, trying to use very high lines and pressing high, and, and it left uh, the back three very exposed on the counterattack. Now, we had to watch some painful games with a bum like Kolarov playing in a back three, which didn't help matters. But, you know, th things really changed, and Inter became just uh, – a lot harder to score against later on in the year. What, what, what were some of the factors, Jerry, that really stood out to you as to how Inter were able to take over and grab the Scudetto by the throat? Well, firstly, it was not to play in three competitions anymore. I think that really helped them. Um, fortunately, like with Arthur being in the, in the chat right now, I think that Napoli have really been fortunate not to... <sighs> Any setbacks as to they were like the one Italian team that had to play all three competitions so long into the season. And fortunately for them, it hasn't hurt their positioning in the, in the table. Whereas Inter kind of bowed out earlier and it's really benefit them. Maybe. The, and I think the, the other talking point is Ericsson. Ericsson's free kick in the at a time against Milan was the turning point of this season. I understand that Vidal is always going to have a heart for Inter fans and his performance against Juve. And those are three very crucial points. I absolutely agree. But that's just one night. You have to look at what Ericsson's overall contribution has weighed to the team compared to what Vidal's overall contribution has weighed to Inter. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that everyone has a, a special heart because the rivalry – and he, he kissed the logo and all that stuff. And it's it's a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale story. But Ericsson is the reason why Inter won a Scudetto. I don't give a shit what anybody said. Because I underestimated that midfield against Lazio. And I thought that Lazio had the better midfield going into that game. I thought everything was perfect for Lazio. The striker, 
Cherby, nothing came through. Okay, absolutely nothing came through. Lukaku destroyed in uh, Lazio. Um, the midfield of Ericsson made a massive difference compared to the first time they played, where Gallardini started in the middle with Vidal and I believe Brozovic, and wasn't as effective. Um, it, it's Ericsson. It, it's his ability to, to to adapt, to play more deeper, to to contribute on the attack, um, to adjusting to what Conte had wanted and what Conte was kind of stubborn and kind of became a little bit more flexible with him and understood that he didn't have the pure qualities of playing in his system, but overall, like it, it helped. Jerry basically lose this, but for the biggest factor, health for Inter. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Not, not uh, in, in going into Art's point there, that's the major factor as to what hurt Napoli is that playing all those games in a condensed schedule, it, it's not like you're playing every week one match like you normally do in past seasons. If, if you're progressing further into these competitions, it's not everything becomes more hectic because the Serie A schedule is very condensed and they started late. And then you had the Europa League slash Champions League, which adds on additional games. And then you have the Copa Italia. And as in the 2020-21, like into the second, to the calendar year, everything became much harder. And so for me, those are the two talking points. I, I Do I believe that Conte tanked it in Champions League? I, I We talked about this last time. There's there's conspiracy. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't think anybody would ever bow. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody would bow down to, like, just lose. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are trained to win. No one fucking is trained to lose, regardless. Unless you're maybe dead last and you don't have any aspiration left and you know you're going to steady a B, sure. But uh, they're professionals. They'll do whatever it takes to, to win. And the last point, screen yard. Skriniar has, like, I, I really believe that he hurt Inter last year not being comfortable in a back three and being more preferred to play in a back four. And this is a player where I'll say needed a year to adapt and understand Conte's tactics and kind of buy into it. Whereas I, I believe that uh, Godin didn't buy into it kind of struggled, and that's why he was sold and gone to Cagliari. So as much as he's a good player, and I think that he did have a lot of quality to offer, the difference was that Skriniar was willing to be more adaptation and, and trying to like fit into Conte's style, whereas Godin kind of like checked out and wasn't happy with what this, the role was given to him. So credit to Skriniar, because as he's one of the best players in the box. I think his aerial presence is one of the best, if not the best. He scored well. I don't know how many goals he scored off set pieces. Um, even in the back end when he's defending, most physical player among him, Bastoni, and and uh, DeVry. I know DeVry's probably, people will probably say he's your best defender. I don't think so this season. I, I rate Skriniar ahead of him. I, I just think that a lot of times he made really risky, like um, risking uh, challenges in the box. And there's and there's one thing that I believe it was um, our friend uh, Uncle Sharma who said that he, well, I don't know what, what it's called the, the terminology where where like he did it against um, against uh, Joaquin Correa where he kind of like 
intercepted the ball, but he pivoted, like he put his feet into the ground and like really intercepted the ball perfectly. I don't know what the actual terminology for it is, but he's done it a lot of times this year where he's planted his feet into the ground and like just was able to like strip the ball off a forward and avoid taking a card, which was like pretty impressive. I don't, I don't know the actual words off the top of my head, but those are kind of some of the points that have really contributed to uh, interseason. It, it's easy to say Lukaku, you know what Lukaku, it's a given. He's been your most productive player in the last two years, but you have to look outside the box and say, what are other contributing factors that really made a big difference? And those are kind of the type of things that really stand out to me. There were, uh, to pick up on that point, guys, there were a lot of what ifs. Like, can you imagine if, if things had gone a different way with some players, right? Because th- there was a lot of buzz before the season started that Skriniar was being shopped. I, I know that uh, I-, I heard from plenty of Tottenham fans about how they were going to buy Skriniar. And then, of course, it never actually happened. And then there were some deleted Twitter accounts after that with some people that I would argue with. Uh, you know, we, we all know how how close and, and we- I-, I don't know how true the Skriniar stuff was, but I am pretty confident that Erickson would have been offloaded in January had someone been willing to pay his wages. And because of COVID, nobody was because the only, you know, clubs big enough to afford his wages just decided this isn't something we want to spend money on right now. And so uh, who knows, like if he had been offloaded somewhere, if not for COVID, you know, he wouldn't have had the second half of the season that he had with Inter. I I think that was uh, that was one of those big what ifs that who knows how different the season might have been if that had been the case. Uh, I want to I want to go around. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. I got I got a question for you. When does Conte's contract expire? This is the second year of of, of what year four? One more year. Yeah, he's got, he's got next year's his last year. Yeah. Um, to answer, I'll, I'll answer Arthur's uh, Art's question because I actually wrote a piece about this back in November, and I still think he's gonna he's gonna outsee his contract. He won't be gone this summer, and depending on how it goes next year and what the long-term project is, I can see him extending his contract maybe for another year or two. I think he's in for the long haul. His relationship with Beppe Marotta is excellent. Um, the two see eye to eye even, and I think this whole pandemic overall has really changed Conte's mindset of the, the fact that they couldn't pay wages. They had to take risks. Um, just a different approach to everything in the football world. And, it may have opened his mind and and given him a, a new insight of how things are being worked today. And I, I just think that Conte is starting to become a little bit more flexible and not maybe not as demanding, is if that's the right words. But I, I think he's in for the long haul until Inter really crashes and things start to go spiral. But it's been two productive years for Inter. You can't say it's not. And... That's that's just how I just see it for them. I don't see him going anywhere. Yeah, and I want to go around the table on this. Um, I, I agree with Jerry. Uh, I think bare minimum, I think one more season. I think I think he'll see out the contract. And there there's been some rumor, but it, it's so hard until we get a clearer picture of what sort of a budget there is. And I know there are some dire reports uh, in some of the Italian papers, so I, I don't know. But I, I think if nothing else, Conte, I think we'll see out the final year of his contract. I have heard some rumors in the last month or so about uh, about an extension. Uh, obviously, there are 
players who need extensions as well. I think they would like to give uh, Latar Martinez an extension and, and Skriniar. Uh, well, actually, no, Skriniar organized his a couple of years ago. But there, there, there are some people who need expending there, who need extending there in the front office and on the pitch. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing for Conte, if he's going to be more content to stick around, and he seems he seems happy right now. Um, he always wants clarity and transparency as to what's expected from him. I think one of the reasons why a little over a year ago, why he was really upset and why he was lashing out was he kind of felt that the club hung him out to dry and that they weren't really clear, you know, with with him and with the Italian media as to what was expected of him. Like, oh, was he expected last year to win the Scudetto in the first season? Well, they fell short of that. How come you didn't make it clear that that wasn't the goal for year one? And I think heading into next year, I think a big thing for Conte is, and, and he's going to want the club to make this clear, talk to whoever they know in the newspapers, make whatever statement you have to make, that he's not necessarily expected to get this club to, let's say, the Champions League quarterfinal. I think that's going to be very important for him because, you know, you can remember years ago at Juventus when he had that line of taking, you know, a, a 10 euro bill into a 100 euro restaurant, right? I, I think he wants people to know that, hey, yeah, we're going to be first pot in Champions League next year from winning the city. Ah, but if we not only can't make big investments in the squad, but we're having to reportedly cut salary by 15%, which means we may not be bringing back Alexis, who I'd hate not to bring back next year, or we may not bring back Vidal, which I, I wouldn't really mind if Vidal didn't come back next year, to be quite honest. But if we need to cut down the wage bill, Inter need to make it very clear that I'm not expected to make a super deep run in Champions League, right? So I, I think he wants everyone to know what the reasonable objectives are, and then he's not going to make a stink the way he was making a stink a year ago. Uh, Mikey, I'll, I'll, I'll go first to you on this. Uh, how much longer do you expect Conte to stay at Inter? Yeah, as much as, you know, we always talk about how the pandemic has hurt the club. Like, I mean, of course it has. It's hurt every club in the world. But I feel like it's almost helped Inter in a way because it has basically meant that Antonio Conte and Inter and some of the players like Skriniar that we mentioned earlier have all been stuck with each other, have had to all learn each other. Ericsson too. Um, I think because of that, you know, the money that um, Conte makes, you know, nobody else is going to give him that in this climate. So he's going to see out the contract at least, depending on how long, you know, the project lasts, if – Conte agrees with what Steve Zhang and the rest of management want to, you know, do with cutting salary and going on from that. If, if you keep Conte happy and like you appease him in the transfer market, you are transparent with him. Like you said, I think he could stay even beyond that contract. He could stay another year or two. I don't think he'd stay more than five. I think that's the max. I forget his tenure at Juventus. I forget the exact uh, I think it was that, three, three years. Three years? Yeah, yeah. He'll, I think he could out. He could definitely outdo that at Inter. Um, it just really all depends. I think it's still a very fluid situation, you know, from the pandemic and all. So I think he'll stay at least another year, and he could go, I would say, as many as five. What do you think, Anthony? It's a tough one. It's a tough one because, you know, his form says that um, there's a meltdown incoming any moment now and uh, he could walk away. But I really don't think that's the case. I think all things given in the world of the pandemic, you know, we have a much more logical way of approaching this sort of situation. There is no way we should be looking for another manager considering our direct opponents and their situation with their managers as well. 
we're in a point in time now where continuity is probably your biggest advantage going into a new season. And Inter was able to win the Scudetto this season with the shortest preseason of anybody in Serie A. And I actually think it was an advantage doing that because we had that continuity, whereas some people were flying back from their countries after being with their families, after not concentrating for anything up to three and a half weeks to a month. I think that was very important. So going into next season, as long as the ownership can guarantee to people like Marotta and Conte that the stability will come, we're behind the project, you may have to withhold your wage for a little bit or not, or just take a percentage of it away for a little bit, but everything has a plan to be okay. And first and foremost, and most importantly, we are one of many in the same boat. We are not the only club in Europe slash the world of football, sport, everything that has to cut costs at the moment. So right. we, don't, we never expect the Italian media to go anywhere besides the side that they usually go in reporting the news or the headlines, but... They're going to really start to struggle to hide behind the facts at the moment, man. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, and on that, I, I want to address this as best we can. Uh, so Bruno asked, and I'll, I'll read it for those who are listening audio only. How long does Zhang hang around until a new owner is sought out? Any news on a new sponsor? Uh, I think as far as the new sponsor, um, most signs are pointing to his sense, right? The uh, I, I see. I see their TVs in uh, in Target and Best Buy. So uh, that's about how much I know about that company. But it's uh, it's it's an electronics company. I think not too you know not quite as uh, as as recognized, but it's kind of similar to Samsung, who was also rumored to be a shirt sponsor for Inter for quite some time. But m- most of the noise that I'm I'm hearing is uh, is his sense uh, as far as the new shirt sponsor goes. It's going to be weird after you know two decades plus seeing Pirelli no longer on the shirt. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm happy that they're doing better business because, you know, they, they really were giving Pirelli like 1990s rates and, and we need to up that revenue. But at the same time, it was so, so iconic to enter to have Pirelli on the shirt that it's going to be odd. As far as as far as how long uh, Zhang and Suning are going to hang around, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go around the table. I'll ask you first, Anthony, because my, I mean, I'll, let me give you my take first. Um, obviously, there have been a ton of rumors over the past few months about, oh, are they going to sell the entire club or are they going to sell a portion of the club or are they only going to look for a loan and not sell any of the club? My take is I don't think Suning wants to go anywhere until they have secured the stadium deal that they're working on in conjunction with with AC Milan and the city of Milano, because I think Suning looks at that as a tremendous potential revenue stream. Right, because once you can get that stadium project moving forward, and if you can even get the club in there for a couple of seasons before you sell, that's really going to raise your revenue. I mean, we know uh, Italy is really stuck in the Stone Age outside of this. I mean, you know, the only the only large club in Italy who has their own stadium is Juventus, and it really helps them out revenue wise. Whereas, you know, for clubs in the Premier League, it's normal for every team to have their own stadium, and this is something that. Inter and Milan are working on. So personally, I, I think Suning are going to try so hard not to leave or not to sell until the stadium is in place and, and they can, you know, secure more value for their investment. Because once the stadium is in place, you know, not only can they profit some from it, but they can also raise their valuation for the club and sell it for more money. Uh, do, you, do you agree with that, Anthony? 
Yeah, for sure. Also, I think if they were going to jump ship, they would have done it by now. There would have been no need for them to endure this um, shitstorm that's been going on for the last how many months or how long of the season, um, you know, media-wise and just scrutiny-wise in general. So the the message has been clear from Zhang and everybody associated with Suning that they are going to try their best to make this project work. Um, Hopefully, as I said, the, the relationships remain healthy and the communication remains efficient from the top down because we're a very well-structured club at the moment in terms of putting our theory into practice on the pitch. Everything's working like clockwork. It'd be a shame if something as fundamental as the structure from the top were to collapse because the hard work has been done on a foundational level, on a coaching level, on a fitness level, on a tactical level. Everything has worked We've lost two goddamn games all season and I just really want to see this project continue. So, and to just allude into the last question that was spoken about with Conte again, there's no reason why if the project continued to do that over and over again, there's no reason, like Mikey said, he couldn't stay five years and, you know, buck the trend of him leaving um, clubs a little bit early. What do you, what do you think, Mikey? How much longer do you think Zhang and Suning hang around? Um, this is one that I think is really tough. Um, of course, like I agree that they definitely would have jumped ship if they really wanted to by now. Like if if there was no way that they could continue to run the club, they would have. They're smart guys. They would have gotten out. They would not have, you know, had the disgrace of being the owners that liquidated into. Like <laughs> you can't be that guy. You can't be those guys. So I think they did their calculations, they did their homework, and they're working on it now. And I think things are going to get pretty stable here in the next year or so. And then after that, um, I think they could be out pretty soon, to be honest, maybe two or three more years. I think if someone were to come along and was like, all right, um, we'll give you that billion-dollar valuation that you said – um, mid-pandemic, maybe if we win a little bit more, you bump that up a little bit more. But I think if someone were to come along for the right price in the next few years, I think there's nothing stopping Suning from selling. Yeah, you know, J- Jerry, I, I think a, a big thing for me, because I, I have a few friends who I correspond with a lot who are big time in Tedisti, and some of the sentiment is because, you know, they they read the Italian papers about what, you know, what could be very real issues about financial troubles and deferred wages and cutting the wage bill by 15%. And a couple of buddy of my buddies of mine will say, Hey, like what are Suning doing? Like they, they should cash in, they should sell. Why are they being selfish for the better of Inter? They should sell it now. Um, obviously they're not going to be around forever. I don't think they're going to be Inter's owners 10, maybe even five years from now, like, like Mikey said, but I mean, for, for me, Jerry, uh, as an Interista right now, even knowing that there are going to be some financial challenges, heading into at least into next year, I, I think some stability at the top is important, right? Because for a lot of these Interisti who are saying, oh, no, it's time for Suning to to cash out and get the hell out of here now if they can't afford to run this club like, like you know, like Real Madrid or, or PSG or something. But my thing is be careful what you wish for because if Suning were to decide tomorrow – to sell and cash in pretty good chance. Then Conte decides peace. I'm out. Marotta decides I'm out. And perhaps even new ownership may not even want those guys around because sometimes new owners want to put their own stamp on the front office and, and bring in their own people. So for the sake of continuity, because uh, like, like, e- even if Inter have to make a couple of cuts onto the wage bill uh, with Conte and with the spine of the team together, 
they can absolutely compete, if not win another Scudetto next year. The race might be tighter. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think they run away with it necessarily because uh, you know because uh, may, maybe maybe Milan brings in a couple of nice additions now that they're more than likely going to Champions League and they're going to have some extra revenue. But I think we, with this coach in place and most of these players in place next year this team is absolutely going to compete and could perhaps get the second star so for anyone who's saying Sunni need to sell right now I would say be careful what you wish for because I wouldn't want to turn this project upside down right now maybe a year or two would be the right time to do it what do you think well I think there's a trend here it's not just Inter and their future you got Juventus now what about if they finish in the Europa League there's just big question marks. Ronaldo, how do you offload him? Um, then you go to Milan. Yes, fine. If they were to qualify hypothetically for Champions League, everything doesn't get cured in one day. It, it's it's a start for them, but there's a lot of question marks still. They have to figure out the FFP. They got to balance their books still. They still have a lot of debt. Like it's not just overnight they're going to start buying players. So there's still question marks there. How do they? What happens with their ownership with? Um, Elliot Fund and what what's going on with those guys? I, I don't know what the whole thing is with Milan. There's always question marks with like Maldini and what has happened all in the last two years. And then you go, I think Napoli, if anything, is the most certain and stable club of the top seven, if you were to ask me, where they have their books stabled, uh, break even, and, and they have a kind of a good identity. Now, here's a problem with Napoli now. You get rid of Gattuso. You're going back three steps. I'm sorry. Like, you're not helping your cause. Yeah, okay, fine. You bring Spalletti in. But you need a season to to get Spalletti's philosophy in and understand what is going on. How do you adapt that? How do you get some – they need continuity. You can't go from Saudi. From Saudi, you go to Ancelotti. From Ancelotti, you go to Gattuso. To Gattuso, now you're going to your fourth manager – which, like I just said, could be Spalletti. So there's issues there. And then I'm going to go to Lazio, which really shocked me today. And it was Lotito's kind of uh, – today was his birthday. And it was what he said that really kind of uh, caught me off guard. And it was – he said, the objectives must be achieved. I hope, first of all, that my health will assist me and that the conditions can be created to celebrate the following birthdays together. Finally, I hope that my son Enrico will continue on my journey in representing the Bianco Celesti colors. So it, this kind of got a lot of fans off guard. And I think that look, Tito is not doing well. I think that this guy is not healthy. And he it's these guys are like what 65, 70. These owners, these owners are old. Yeah. Napoli's owner is old. Lazio's owner is old. Inter has a young owner, so they're they're fortunate. Yeah, I think I think like, ADL is going to hand it off yeah. to his son at some point as well. Yeah, it's a similar similar situation. I mean, may, maybe not right away, but in a few years, whenever it is. Both clubs are, are screwed in the wow. situation. We hand off our clubs to their sons because they have absolutely dick all experience in managing a club. Let's just be <laughs> honest. If I were Latito, if I, I me as a fan, I'd like Latito to to sell the club now to someone who has great aspirations and is willing to to take the club now to the next level. I think he's done a great job in 17 years balancing it out. But like there's and then you got Salentana who could be promoted to Serie A as of tomorrow if they win. And there and, and he owns that club as well. So there is a conflict of interest. 
what do you do? Do you sell Lazio or do you sell your other club? Like what what's your what's your interest now, right? Like does he want to get out of it completely? There's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions, but in regards to Inter, uh, you know what I, I and I'm saying this is that Inter's not the only one in the in, in the boat. There are all these top clubs are actually finally hitting a wall where there's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty. Now, here's one thing. If Conte were to leave this summer, okay, and we 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 get a Mourinho surprise, the guy who I see replacing him, and I'm gonna be honest, is Simone Inzaghi. Oh. Oh, I see man. him going, I see him jumping the ship and going to enter and committing and I and I see that because he'll be patient for a season and there'll be a long-term goal for him where there's just there is growth with Inter. Right now with Lazio, I don't see that. Um I, I think he's not convinced with the project and that's why he hasn't put pen to paper into extending his contract. There has been rumors about possibly joining Tottenham Hotspurs. I don't see wow. that happening. Well, if you ever want to win a trophy, that's not the place to go. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, too. A lot of people were calling me out that they'll spend more money than, than Lazio. Yeah, fine, but they don't spend it right. And they're in massive debt because they got to pay off that, that stadium. So I think a lot of people forget they owe millions of dollars for that stadium. So right now, they can't buy the players that many people think a top club can do. But I don't know. I don't know the financial situations of Inter, but um, it's 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 a very tough situation because they're not a lot of use money. I don't know their whole money frozen, and they got yeah. these buyers. I don't really buy. I don't read too much into it. But at the end of the day, I guess whatever happens happens, and and either it's gonna happen. I think these owners at the my 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 outlook on it like this is that they care about what's best for the club. That and I think that's the most important thing is that they're doing they're trying every possible way to try to help this club and not let it like sink. So they're trying to get money in other areas. They're trying to sell off their shares to make money. Um, there's been a, a I don't know like I don't know the whole background, but I'm pretty sure they they sold a few shares to earn some money that was frozen yeah. and like. Now they've got an investor in the background, 240 million. So as much as it's been bad, I think a lot of fans have to look at the outlook is that, okay, this is a situation that they don't want to be in. And it wasn't a situation that they put themselves in. It's the Chinese government that kind of screwed them over. So they're ready to spend and get going. But, you know, no, you, you do not want American owner. Okay, so what? No, you don't. The only <laughs> team I want an American owner to continue to go to is Roma, so they can keep on fucking Roma to the ground. Okay, <laughs> they can keep Roma right to the fucking ground because then these freaking freaking frackins are gonna fuck Roma as well. Don't worry, Mourinho's not gonna save the day. He's gonna shit the bed in six months because you can't buy any fucking players. I wrote a whole list of goddamn dead weight they got there. I got to hear people telling uh, me that Jekyll's still good. Jekyll's 37 and he's on one leg, goddammit. Jekyll is Benito, and I hate to say it. Oh. I like Jekyll, but he's done. Be realistic, man. Pastore. Yeah, okay. Javier Pastore was great at PSG. Guess what? Roma ruined him. And I hate and I hate this, this theory that, oh, Nzagi shit the last five years. Coppa Italia's mean nothing. Super Coppa Italiana's mean nothing. Guys, trophies measure success. It doesn't matter, man. It, it, 
that's what people look at. They look at what you have won. They don't give a fuck if you went to a final four of a Champions League in one absolutely dick squad. People remember Conte for what he's won. People remember Mourinho for what he's won. People don't remember Spalletti for fucking oh guys, look what he did. He brought us back I to do. the to the <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the you're an Inter fan. Remember, remember that because there's nothing else to fucking remember. I remember the, the heart decade. attacks. Oh, there's nothing to get those heart attacks out of me. That pain. It's impossible to forget. <laughs> how, how can you forget when there's nothing to win since fucking like what 2011? Like honestly, that that, that, that's the problem. Like the. I don't. I don't remember. Like the, these are things I remember from Zaghi, What he's been able to achieve with, with no budget. The fucking people don't forget. Like this guy has a budget like seventy million, whereas like Juventus, Milan, and Inter have budgets of like who have spent what three four hundred million. Like Northbound. Like come on. Like and I, and I hate when people say this too. Okay. Oh, Inter won because they scored. They they spent two hundred million. Hold on, guys. Let's be realistic. If Lazio was spending two hundred million, you'd be saying the same fucking shit as well. Let's be realistic here. Yeah, and spend, like the, the, the other thing. Is, yeah, and like the other thing is like it, it, in in every league in Europe, you have to spend money to win your league, and Inter don't even have the highest payroll in Italy. So the real question should be, what are fucking Juventus doing outside of Champions League position when they have the highest wages in Italy by oh, far? Really? So okay, I mean that, <laughs> that that seems like a big problem to me. Uh, we before we get, we've got to get to that game, yeah, we they have got to. trashed this morning. They got trashed, man. How good was that to see? Even for you know how easy it was to wake up at four forty-five a.m. to catch that game as a neutral this morning. Is that so why you were up so early? Up. I, I, I noticed you were up really early Australian time. Was it to watch that game, or you always wake up that early? Which game are you talking about? Uh, the Juventus Milan game. I wake oh. up early, but not that that early. But that was easy to wake mm. up for, and I, I I knew Juventus was struggle. Because Milan have a way of just being able to group together this season. Like, Pioli has struggled, but we're in, like, match day 35 now. And they're still third on the ladder. So, big up to them. It was meant to crash well before this. And they're still sticking around in there. But Juve, it was really, really bad. And I think it was summed up well when the camera panned out to Agnelli a couple of times and when Rebic scored that cracker of a second goal oh, and Dybala just turned around and walked back up the stairs. I, almost, oh, I felt like a big dagger was put through their heart this morning. You love to see it. You love to see it. Well, and, and th that was a really interesting game, and I want Mikey's take as well because it's like uh, – my preferred outcome happened like Juventus getting humiliated, especially in their own stadium. And they, they'd never lost to Milan before in that stadium. So like, so I, I was fine with that. I would have been fine with either outcome though. I mean, a, a draw would have been a little bit disappointing uh, either way, but if ha had Juventus embarrassed Milan, then I could have seen, you know, the, the Milan Easty meltdown from winter Scudetto to out of champions league. But honestly, this is even better. Okay. Like, you, Juventus getting humiliated in their home stadium by Milan. That was, uh, and I, I, I didn't get to watch the entire game. I watched for about the, uh, the 65th, 70th minute on because I was, uh, I was working uh, the Inter Miami match today, and and the uh, the Juventus Milan game started when that one was in the second half. So I I didn't get to to see the whole thing. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. But uh, Mikey, what were your emotions like watching that game? Oh yeah, oh man. Um, and we get a documentary about this. Oh <laughs> man, this is gonna be great. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, we get to. Well, well, what do they call that show? That uh, that uh, it's all or nothing. All or nothing. But it's just nothing. nothing. It's just nothing. They chose nothing. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's just call it Juventus. Nothing, and that would be yeah, great. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. <laughs> well, the crazy thing about all or nothing is, like, if Juventus had had finished first place, won another Scudetto, zero point zero chance I watched that shit documentary. But them falling out of Champions League, I'm going to be watching every episode, and I'm going to be drinking champagne watching every episode. Oh man, it's gonna be crack. This is going to be so fucking bullshit, though, eh? Because they're copying this fucking from Formula One. How Formula One did that, like, uh, that series where they had, like, the whole season and everything and, like, the behind the scenes. You've been fucking stealing a chapter out of Formula One's books. That's what I'm calling, man. Well, it's, it's not them. Like, they, they've done the show before. Like, uh, like Tottenham had a season of it last yeah. year. I don't know who else has done oh, it. Oh, yes. It reminds yeah. me of seasons ago. That's right. Yep. That was shit, It reminds man. me of the NFL, you know. They usually do a team a year. And Are I not. remember, like. They, it's usually a kiss of death in the NFL when they have that. So, like, I remember the Browns getting it one year. I mean, they're not that great anyway, usually. Or, like, the Raiders getting it one year after they were good. Like, something about getting a documentary is just the kiss of death. Like, I think – didn't Barca have one the year that they, like, collapsed to Liverpool? Like, just word to the wise, never get yeah. a documentary. But to go back to the match, like, I've noticed that with Juve, this season – it's a lot like watching Inter in the banter era. Um, if a team is compact, does not attack first, is defend first, and is really good on the counter, they're going to kill you. Um, because, like, Juve, their losses this year, I mean, like, I mean, take your pick, but losing to us, I mean, like, Conte just, in, at least in the league, like, coached, Pier- or coached um, Pirlo off the pitch. Um, I mean... Benevento, they're a little bit of an attacking team, but they weren't attacking that entire match. I mean, that was an assist by Arthur. Um, like, it's just every time I watch Juve, teams have figured out that if you defend against Pirlo's tactics, um, you're going to find a goal somewhere. And if a goal doesn't come on the other end from Morata, Morata, Ronaldo, or Chiesa, a goal's not coming. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry, did you? Uh, I have to live vicariously through all of you because I had to miss most most of the match. Did did you watch Juventus Milan today? And was it was it glorious? And obviously, I know you don't like Milan either, but you also don't like Juventus. This is why you're basically an Interista. Like you, you hate the teams that we hate. So oh, I, I fucking hate you, them both, man. You are you are an honorary Interista. Oh. So. How did you feel watching that game today? I wanted to tie. I'm gonna be honest, just for Lazio's sake. But oh, because you, you could have still had a little bit of a but, chance. Yeah. That's but right. here's the thing, I, I, and I said this on I, I tweeted this out is that I honestly believe their running against Torino and Cagliari this this upcoming week is going to be much more difficult compared to Juventus for two reasons. Both teams are in form. They've only, I think Torino has one loss in the last like five or six games and playing really good football and, and trying to save their lives from relegation. And Coyote, I believe, has won four or five in a row and have really turned their season around it and are starting to look like a top 10, top 10 team right now. So those are the two matches I think that people need to see where Milan really stands. They beat a Juventus side who is not properly managed where Pirlo's out of his depth, and it's a shit team. Guys, Weston McKinney's so overrated. He's fucking garbage. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and you're telling garbage. me, bro, I'm I, and I'm sure garbage. Mike hears the same thing. Dude, you, I, I'm American. Do, do you know how much I hear all the, the soccer bros? Oh, Weston McKinney, so awesome, dude. Like, I have to hear that shit nonstop. And then I tell them, look where Juventus is, is in on the table. It took an American player going to Juve 
for them to lose a Scudetto for the first time in 10 fucking years. Mikey, is it the same for you as an American? Yo, I'm going to be honest. I've never heard another American that did not watch Serie A, like this season at least, talk about Weston McKinney. Like, it's always it's always Pulisic or Pulisic. I forget that's how he pronounces it. Pulisic, Pulisic, Pulisic. That's all I hear. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and, true. And, and yeah. he is actually very he's good. He's actually a good player. I've actually yeah, read he's actually good. And I never hear anything about McKinney. Of course, I'm not going to bring him up. Like, I mean, I, I think he's – I've called him this many a time. I say he's the he's the American Gary Medell. Like oh, he's good one. Got a lot of aggression. Uh, he can you know have a good game here and there, but that aggression and lack of like you know just raw skill just really just doesn't benefit the team. Yeah, no, I, I guess like uh, I, I I work with a couple people who are like you know big. Uh, Big, big American U.S. national U.S. men's national team fans, and so I hear a lot about it. And and I go to this uh, one of the websites that I go to, and it's a great website. I'm not knocking them. I just I just find it funny. This uh, like I, I have to go to this website a lot for like MLS game prep. It's called SBISoccer.com, and they always do like reports on you know Americans abroad because they cover basically you know the American teams and the American players, and and like. Every, once every three or four days, like Weston McKenney's like on the front page when they're talking about Americans abroad. So I, I, I see it. I see it quite a bit, man. I see it quite a bit. Uh, something heard, I want to get into. Uh, go ahead, Jerry. I want to add something, actually. And it's not fair to Juve. I, I bashed on Juve and I said Weston McKenney to me is just not a good player. Um, if anything, just maybe mediocre. I don't know. But there's another player I'm going to call out, and it's on Milan, and it's Hakan Chananoglu. And I like to hear what the Arthur or Vito, Vito and Arthur have to say because I think this guy is not worth $7 million. His demands can go up his ass. I would tell – if I'm Paolo Maldini and this guy comes in my office, I'd be like, did you see yourself in the first half yesterday? You look like <laughs> shit. The guy couldn't make a pass. The guy couldn't make an interception. He, he he made errors in the final third. Like he was a disaster. I, and, and and I get he had a better second half, but he doesn't give a good ninety minutes. And I don't know if it's because he was playing with uh, Zlatan and it was hurting him. I don't know, but he was trying to do too much. And I'm gonna be honest. If I had to choose between him and Luis Alberto, I think Luis Alberto is a much better player for a much better wage and and like everything around. Like I agree. He, like, I'm sorry. I'm not saying because I'm a Laziale. I'm just. I totally I'm, agree with you, man. Alberto I'm not a Laziale, but I agree. Five years, okay? He was mediocre two seasons ago. Fine. But he's been consistent. And this year, fine. He hasn't had like the 12, 15 assists like he had last year, but he's got nine goals. And I think that's just, just as effective and productive for him. Um, I, 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 I just think that Luis Alberto contributes more to the game. He's much more better attacking. Yeah, he's too inconsistent. That's that's exactly what it is. Whereas Alberto is a very consistent player. Even with one leg yesterday, he still was offering more than what Chenanaglu does. I, I just don't think – I think people overrate him. He's way overrated, and I, I would never give him the demand of his wages. Like, if you if that guy's making more than Alberto, there's, there's something wrong here because I think that Luis Alberto, uh, not even near the wages he makes, pro- provides more. And the stats prove itself too. So, like that's just the way I look at it. So, something uh, I want to ask uh, one, one more question to to Anthony and to Mikey before we wrap it up, because you know w- one thing that that kind of sucks is that um, I I don't know. Obviously, I have so many you know 
people that I know through through Twitter and social media and podcast friends and stuff were into Eastie. But what I'm jealous of is I can't celebrate in the street. Like I, I can't I can't get a parade together in Miami to celebrate a scudetto. You know, I'm I'm fully vaccinated. I would love to give hugs, but there's really outside of my father who's an Interista, there's nobody for me to to give a hug to for a for a scudetto one. So you know, a, a, Anthony, I don't know what it's like for your community over there down under do you know any uh, any interisti in real life or is it mostly just the virtual friends like me um well for me like i've got a few friends here i've got bruno on the channel as um as well who lives nearby um i've also got my father as well so i think he's more he's more of an interisti for me than he is for himself um but definitely still an inter fan we've got an inter club in sydney but uh, and we did used to meet a lot for a couple of games or three games a year but i'm sure you can understand the biggest barrier to all this is just kickoff times like sometimes you're asking oh, people yeah. to meet for a game at what two, three, four o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning, a lot of the time for work, it's just not going to happen. Um, so we've all just been like, sort of like just messaging each other and whatnot. But I have been able to see my dad and a couple of friends as well. So it has been nice, man. But I think it's just the party's going to keep going online, man. And and the more that we keep hearing about next season building up, I think the more Inter fans will just keep getting excited for the ride, bro. What about you, Mikey? You know any Interisti in real life, or is it mostly just uh, the intergroup chats? Oh man, I'm in the middle of college football country, man. There's no, oh, God, there's yeah. no Interista presence anywhere. Um, it's just everyone that I've known online. Like big thanks to everyone who like you know is on the pod with me, Risto, uh, Chino, Dave comes on, you guys, uh, <laughs> Jerry included. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we write to. Yeah, we ride together on Serpents of Madonina. So, I mean, everybody there, too. Shouts out to those guys, everyone in the group chats. Um, big inspiration for me was um, the original Interpod. I know a lot of um, Interisti on Twitter will remember those guys. Uh, Saf, Ben, um, oh, yeah. Mark. Those guys, like, big inspirations. Those are uh, the reason that you know I'm on pods today. I want to. Whatever do this happened again. to those guys? Like I remember, like uh, you, you guys had one of them on, I think, recently. But like, why, why did they stop doing their pod? Yeah, I mean, we've had Mark and Saf on. Um, ben, I think uh, he just got off Twitter. Um, I think they had a lot of um, just um, like um, scheduling issues, and then just kind of fell out of it, you know. Um, but. Yeah, shouts out to all of those guys. Big inspirations for me. Um, a lot of guys that have really kept, uh, especially in the um, early days for me, like mid-2010s when everything was going to shit, like guys that really kept my passion for Inter, like just people that I could hear other than myself talking about Inter. I mean, those were all big for me. Congrats to all those guys for also going through all this, you guys also included. But oh, thank you. Yeah, nobody in real life. My best friend is um, he's a Romanista. But um, other than that, I've got some friends that support some prim teams, and they're always like living vicariously through me. They're like, "Yo, congrats!" And I'm like, "Yeah, y'all see me suffer." But like, yeah, other than that, you know, nobody around here. Now, now, Jerry, uh, I, I know you, your father. <laughs> what did uh, Art? Where do you come up with this shit? I need to find out. <laughs> Like I, I, your tweets are funny. I don't, I, I, I get, He's the man. if you guys found out all my, my gifts today, I sent out my pictures, everything that's, I woke up this morning and Carlo Garganesa had like all these gifts for me ready to go. And like, he created all these like skits and everything. And I was just throwing them out at Juve today, like full ammo, like 
you guys are hilarious. Like, I suck at Twitter. And to piggyback on that, I've actually thought about getting off Twitter and kind of like deleting my account permanently for next season. Um, Don't do I, it, man. You're too good. The, the middle finger, I, those cannot I, die. I, 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 I respect that, but I find that Twitter is toxic. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna call it the name, but Vito knows who I'm talking about. And there was a person I saw him had like had a conversation back and forth with a certain somebody of being too pessimistic and negative. And I do agree with him on, on what he was saying. And, and it's not just that one person. There's a lot where people are just so negative and like if you say intershit, it's not intershit, it's your mother's shit. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's like, bro, I, I said the team is shit, not your mother. Like, what are you stupid or what? Like, do you be it's football, relax. It my banter should not affect anybody personal and their personal life. It, it's just a team that I just like to shit on. And if you can't throw shade on back back on me with Lazio sucks and Lotito is cheap and like then you don't get what banter means. I'm sorry. Like banter should never get personal to anybody's life. Like it's just so stupid. I, now I've gone to the point. I just laugh about it today. Like now the one guy called me out and said your mother and your and your family whore. And I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? Like because I call it Juventus. He's like, tell your president he's fat. And I'm like, he's not my fucking president. I don't know Latito. Like he knows he's fat. Call him fat if you want. I don't fucking care. But I, I just find that Twitter sometimes people show about. And hide behind a screen and like they think it's like their full-time job i write for the athletic and i'm the fucking best now it's like bro you write for the athletic and you make twenty thousand dollars a year okay so a journalist does not make fucking millions of dollars let's be realistic here because i know people who tell me how much they make and, and writers don't make anything anymore like they probably did 10 years ago here's here's the like, thing with the media game nowadays you have to have like five jobs <laughs> like like if, if, you, if you have five jobs, you can make a pretty good living. Like, like, like a friend of mine who, uh, uh, who, who I work with in, in one of his jobs, he, uh, he, he works uh, commentary at Inter Miami, and he works for BN Sports doing commentary, and he works for CBS Sports HQ doing analysis, and he probably has like three other side gigs I don't even know about. So it's like that's how you make money in the business. Jerry. Bro, you, next time someone hits you with all that like mother stuff, you got to just hit them with the meme where it's like, um, just fucking calm down, Greg. It's soccer. Like, hit them with that meme. Like, you just, yes. just start. Don't reply. Just hit them with that one. <laughs> oh man! By the way, I, was trying, I was trying to kill uh, a few more minutes here because our, our guy uh, Rocky Bobby. I, I knew that he was uh, that he wouldn't be able to join us promptly. Because he, a uh, great son he is. He was taking his mother out uh, to dinner for Mother's Day. And by the way, uh, huge shout out. I, I don't know. Is it Mother's Day in Canada and Australia? Because it seems like different country has different days. But it's been, uh, and for Anthony, it's already Monday. But Sunday in the States, Mother's Day today. Uh, so Rocky is a great son. He took his mother out. We did our little celebration actually yesterday because I knew I was going to have to work today with my wife who is the mother of my child and my mother who's the mother of me and I was a pain in the ass growing up so a huge shout out to her for that so uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I at least want to if he can get in, in a couple minutes I at least want to give him the chance to uh, to say hello before we wrap it up but if he can't make it in a couple minutes he's SOL but Jerry <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask you before we start to wrap it up aside from a few middle fingers that I saw go up uh, on your Twitter account your thoughts on the special one, Jose Mourinho, going to your crosstown rival, Roma. You can suck my dick. Oh, boy. <laughs> I knew that one was coming. Oh. 
He can suck my dick, man. Fuck oh, that man. asshole, man. You know what? I respect him as as a manager for what he's accomplished. Like any Lazio fan says, "Oh, he's shit. He fuck him. He went to Roma." You're you're stupid. I'm sorry. You, you, the guy is successful. He's earned trophies. He's got a trouble with Inter. Like you can't disrespect for what he's accomplished in his career. But he's rocking into Roma territory now. That kind of gets pushed to the side. I don't disrespect him for what he's accomplished. I think that's wrong. Can't You can't look at that because it wasn't with Roma. But now he's with Roma, and it's like, fuck you. Now, from here on out, it's Roma, Lazio, and... You can go fuck yourself because I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think he's gonna do anything with this team personally. Uh, they, or they don't have the budget to to accommodate with him. He's gonna make miracles like Simone and Zaghi now. He's going into a situation with like Zaghi where he has to deal with what he has with a limited budget and hope that he can turn things around. Now he has to get creative. He cannot think that this is 2000 and he's still living in the freaking ancient times of football. It doesn't work like that. He has to adapt and figure out something that's new. Um, he's killed. How many teams has he killed now? Well, not killed. Well, just wasn't as successful as many would think he was. I think he was pretty good with Man United. He, he uh, won a, a few trophies there. But other than that. Wait, wait. Uh, the, the man uh, is here. <laughs> now. <laughs> Your timing could not have been worse because we're going to close it up in a few minutes. But I've got to let our guy, Rocky Bobby, wax a little poetic, man. Have you been celebrating the Scudetto nonstop for the past week, bro? Bro, I don't even know where I've been for the past week. That's how hard I've been celebrating. <laughs> not just that. On top of that, today we had a nice Juve pack watch. You know, Juve might not even get Champions League. We're feeling good. It's good to be getting Teresi right now. Almost makes up for all the shit we've been through, you know? And... I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the beautiful mothers of Interisti out there. You know, we got to pay some love. I was just at dinner with my mother, so I apologize for being late. Um, no, no worries. But I'm sending love to all the mothers, and it's good to be in Interisti. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, I told everybody you're a great son because you, you took your mother out to dinner for Mother's Day, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm a terrible son. I was working all day today. We did have our, our celebration with my mom and my wife yesterday, so we did Mother's Day completely off script. Hey, so so Rocky, uh, we, we are going to wrap it up in, in a few minutes, but uh, you, your thoughts, man, on the the victory over Samp yesterday because I I don't I can't remember the last time I've ever felt like less pressure watching an Inter match, and yet it was like one of the best offensive performances of the season, so it was fantastic. I'm not gonna lie, I thought that we were just gonna go into that match just looking for a draw, just coasting. Like I didn't think we'd really care, and uh. I think it just shows that Conte's really raised the level of the team, you know? Because these guys are going into a meaningless match looking for blood. 5-1, it was, it was insane. I was not expecting it. And Pinamonte getting a goal, like, these guys are hungry right now. And Conte said after, he said, winning has to be a drug, and you can feel it. You know, you can feel it. I was a little premature. Last season, I thought we were going to come out with some trophies. I was, like, almost yeah. 100% certain. So when we went into this season, you know, we start off a little shaky. I was like, it's a mentality issue for these guys. But they're getting over it. That's what I'm saying especially from that Sam 5-1. Nothing on the table, and these guys are just going absolutely crazy. By the way, I, lo I love the touch that you're wearing uh, the kit with the Scudetto badge. I mean, freaking perfect, bro. Freaking mint. <laughs> hey, hey, man, as we uh, as we wrap it up, and I want to have you on again uh, for, for like a full episode in the future, so I uh, could consider this like a preview of things to come. Do you have anything you want to promote, whether it be your social media, any any projects you've got, any way, shape, or form, man? Where can people find you? Listen, you can find me 
at notchampagnepoppytwitter.com. Listen, I had a beautiful podcast planned, all right? I had a beautiful Super League podcast for the elites only, yeah. and it came crashing down. Jerry, I love you, okay? Lazio will get in the Super League. If Rocky had his way, Lazio would be there, all right? Don't be mad at me, Jerry. Don't be mad at me, Jerry. I did have a Super League podcast. Didn't work out. Wafe was very corrupt. But, um, oh, man. You know, you know what, what, I'm man? cooking. Rocky is cooking. His gears are turning. You know, I got some shoe releases. I got something for Inter UC, all right? I got something you know what? If now, Juventus is not in the top four, I'm happy. I, I, I'm not a bitter Lazio fan. I, I'm realistic. I know what my what, what it's like. It's it's it is what it is. At the end of the day, people can tell me say that your team's cheap. You, you got a cheap owner. You're a mid-table team. You're fucking boppity poop. I don't give a fuck, man. There you I, go, Jerry. I can't care less, Bobby, man. Jerry's here to vibe. Jerry, we got to discuss your anti Morici agenda when we get a chance. Maybe I'll oh, like Fuck that loser, man. I Come fucking. On, man. Don't start with me, Jerry Mancini. Don't start with me right now. Fuck you. Do you like Mariki? Mariki? I'm, I'm Albanian, bro. No. <laughs> oh, he's terrible, <laughs> oh, man. Look at that, Jerry Mancini. You think I don't like Morici, bro? I got a Zaka jersey, bro. No, he's so bad. What's so good about him? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you should have seen him in Turkey. It's all right. I don't want to. I don't want to derail this. You know, I don't want my presence well, to derail well, this. No, hold on, hold on. I want your honest opinion. Do you watch the Turkish league? I watched him play in the Turkish league. Okay. I didn't watch. I didn't sit there through whole matches, Jerry Mancini. But I saw what he's <laughs> capable of. I'll okay, I, I, I like to ask you: Is the competition in the Turkish league much easier compared to what he has to deal with in the in the Italian league? I'm serious because I don't okay. know anything about the Turkish league. The Turkish league is not – obviously, it's not a top-five league in the world. We'll start there. But I do want to say this. He needs that point of adaptation, and that's the exact point. When Dzeko came over to Roma, Dzeko was an absolute – he looked like he was going to be a clown in Serie A. He did not look like he was going to be a serious striker. His first season at Roma, people wrote him off. I think he had, like, single-digit goals. I'm not even sure. It took him a while to get cooking. You know, so I think it's that tactical awareness. You're coming over from Turkey. It's not the same league. But I, I just want to ask you, Jerry Mancini, not to write Morici off yet. I'm not telling you to love Morici. I'm just oh, give him a chance. Please. Just wait. Just wait. Well, a lot of people – you know what? Isn't Velan Baresha Albania as well too or no? Or Marisa, yeah, yeah, he, he is. I, yeah. I, I, I actually liked him, and I, I and I still think he's a good player. I, I'm. It's unfortunate that it didn't work out for him. That was mm-hmm. one Albanian player who I actually stood by. I even mm-hmm. wrote articles about him, positive. Like about what about Strakosha? Um, I love Strakosha. You know what? Hey, hey, hey. I love Strakosha. Um, you know what? I, I, at the beginning of the year, I, I thought that Mariki was going to be a good player. Here's the thing, though, okay? I, I, I like to see a player who can progress and show me positive signs. I haven't seen that with Mariki. I thought mm-hmm. with Vilan Barisha at times I saw that. With Strakosha, mm-hmm. one of the best Albanian players probably to play for Lazio maybe, I, I would say, that I know of. Um, but who's a player that I, I keep on rating that has progressed so well in, in the league this year? And oh, Victor Osiman. People mm. were writing him off, saying that he wasn't good, that uh, injuries hurt him, COVID hurt him, everything hurt him. But look, he's showing signs of what he can do in the city. Uh, I haven't seen that with Marici, and that's what scares me. I don't, I haven't seen not one sign in the last three months and Parma Copa Italia does not count because they played their fucking B squad and their B squad is is like an F squad. So like that's where I look at. And I I do agree. He does need a second season to adapt and and all that. 
but I just need to see something that allows me to be encouraged about him. It scares me because like this just even yesterday when he won those challenges in the box and his headers were going nowhere and missed the target one, one right towards the goalkeeper. And like, those are the situations where he's known to be really good. He's a physical mm-hmm. player who can win balls, who, who needs to get, everybody talks about, Oh, we don't get balls to reaching the ball in the box. And when he does get it, like yesterday, four good chances, he does nothing with it. Mm. Like, that kind of scares me because even if he gets stopped and it's a good quality chance on target, I'm happy because all of a sudden it's like, okay, wait a second. There's, here's a sign here. We, we've seen something he can provide, but I, I just don't see that with him. That scares me. But I will back you up. I will back you up with Thomas, Thomas Trakosha and Bielan Baresha. I know a lot of pe- people will be against me about Baresha, and I know that a lot of people will hate him for what he did against Celtic in his bad giveaway. Mm-hmm. But I, I think people forget that he only played like five games that year, and it's hard to like come in and play one game, have 10 games off, play a game like how do you get your form how do you how do you 100%. get your rhythm in like that i i'm a i will defend anybody into that degree now where if you're playing one game off 10 playing a game off 10 there's no point man a guy who has so much talent is being shit to the ground that's what's happening there so it, it is what it is but you know, I appreciate you having an open mind about it. And, you know, three out of four Albanians isn't that bad. All right? So you're still kind of repping us. I got to respect that. Four. Four. I, I, I got to wrap it up because we got a double header. Uh, I'm going to go on uh, on Insta Worldwide in, in a few minutes. Is it so, three? Uh, I don't know. Two out of three. Oh, happy Mother's Day to Cheeto Immobile's mom. Fucking love you. <laughs> not your mom? Oh, oh, no, not his mom. Sorry, his wife. <laughs> Jerry, does your wife, Jerry, does your wife watch these streams, Jerry? You got to be careful out here, man. Yeah, no, she, she knows. She 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 knows how much I love him and his and his wife. Don't worry, man. My my wife my wife my wife actually laughed. She grabs my phone to look at my Instagram to see what Lazio players are doing and what's going on in their lives because she like thinks they're they're good looking, right? So, oh, okay, I see how it is. So, so she follows them because of their looks, but I don't, I don't blame her. That half the team's hot. I'll be honest. I, I think she's, she's not a lot. Hey, I think Latu has the best looking players in City. Yeah, maybe Sergey. Yeah, I've honestly have never thought about that with any team. Sergey, Sergey, Sarkosha. Um, Sarkosha is a good looking man. You know, you know how we do it in Albania. Alberto's not bad. Uh, Korea, Korea, hey. A Chirby, eh. eh. not bad. Yo, yeah, if we went through man. Inter, just the amount of men with no hairline, I, I don't know if you could compete. I'm not gonna lie to you. So, you win this scudetto, Jerry. You win the good <laughs> the he scudetto wins the hot looks. scudetto. <laughs> looks. Oh, oh fuck, man. man, but hey, I, I, I want to do the roll call so everybody can uh can plug anything they have going on. Uh, Mikey, uh, you, you my friend, bro- brothers of the world, going strong. Anything you want to promote. Yeah, I mean, we still got Brothers of the World podcast. That's at BOTW Pod on Twitter, um, on Instagram as well. Um, we haven't recorded in probably a month, actually. Um, but Get on it, man. We're still, yeah, we're still on it. We're still on it. We just had some scheduling issues. I had um, grad finals. I've, a lot of stuff just been going on. But we're definitely going to get on. Going to talk some Scudetto, of course. I mean, you've got to. And also um, – doing a little bit of writing with Jerry on Serpents of Madonina. So um, check those guys out too. How about you, Anthony? And I am going to be hopping on with you in a little bit for Inter Worldwide. Anything you want to promote? No, you said it just there. Anybody who wants some uh, 
any content, reactory content, whatever's going on with Inter, it's a happy time to be an Inter fan. So the motivation is very high. So get on it. Um, yeah, and we'll be live soon as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. And, and Rocky, Rocky, I see you, baby. Don't think because I didn't say yeah. anything doesn't mean I don't see you. My man, we'll talk soon. And, and Rocky, we have to get you back on because, dude, I, I've won so many bets on the Albanian national team. I feel a great debt of gratitude to you, man. I feel a great debt of gratitude. So thank At least you so someone's much feeling good for the Albanian national team, bro. Those yeah. guys are going to make me lose my hair. <laughs> I bring them good luck, I guess. I mean, I think there was one game they played against England, and so I stayed away from it. But when they play against shit teams, when they play against shit teams, usually they have enough to just straight by. Enough low pizzazz. Exactly. Oh man, oh, man. J J Jerry, Jerry, what about you, man? You you doing so much writing? Anything you want to promote? Yeah, I wrote a piece today actually for Serpents of Mundanina today. Winners or losers, finally got it done today. A piece for um, Laziale as well. Three takeaways from their loss. Fuck my life. But uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, that I think that's what it's going to come down to next season, where I'll just be writing for these two sites because it's taking a lot of my time. And not a lot of my time. It, I have a lot of decisions going forward in my life, so I need to like narrow down to the sites I kind of want to write for. And in regards to people, why I write for this for the intersite, it, it's kind of grown my my viewership, and it's gotten me a different area where people are reading my work, and I get a lot more attention with Inter stuff compared to Lazio because we're a smaller club. So it was always just a personal decision where I decided to start writing Inter, and, and I. Like I said, I, I have a lot a good following Inter fans right now, and they're very respectful. So I'll I always support. You. I'll always support Inter because not one Inter fan has bashed me, even when I made jokes. Whereas like Mila and Juve ripped me apart. <laughs> I, Roma doesn't count because Roma is an exception. They are allowed to bash me. That that's just honorary. But like with Milan and Juve, they just chew me apart, man. It's like, holy fuck, man. You guys are sensitive. My fucking all your teams are shit. Yo, Mikey, if you ever need a guy to come on, because I watch every Inter game now, along with Lazio. Those are the two games I watch every weekend. And any other game I watch is just bonus. Because this pod, I have to commit to Inter and Lazio just so I know what I'm talking about. I don't sound like an idiot. So, like, that's why I watch Every game. So if you need a guy to assist you, give me a shout. I'll help you out. And no worries, man. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, we've been having some scheduling issues, um, been a little shorthanded. So definitely we'll, we'll maybe get that crossover in the future. Yeah, we've already had Dono on. Might as well. Yeah. Let me know. I'm, I'm, I'm free. I tell you, I, 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 and I'm not biased, so don't worry. I, I stay open-minded. Oh, you can be as biased as you want. I mean, no, that. that's, that's the whole fun, Jerry. That's the whole fun. <laughs> you can have a little agenda going. <laughs> so we'll, we'll close it out on that note. Everyone, make sure you buy Scudetto merch, buy some HisSense TVs, put some money in Mr. Zhang's pocket, and get us out of it. We're, we're starting to enter GoFundMe yeah. this summer. We're going to fund, um, fund DePaul this summer. Oh, DePaul, I like eh? that. Fuck. I heard he's going to Milan. I heard every fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry's going to Milan. Every player's going to Milan, right? Oh, every every player's going alone, to Milan, right? and every player's going I'm to fucking alone. Roma. Two teams are fucking in debt. Figure that Mourinho one out. Yeah. 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 Oh, awesome. Mourinho's going to dig that team another $300, $300 million debt. Don't worry. Can't Real. wait. All right, so so huge huge thanks to everyone who uh, who joined us live and chatted with us. Uh, I'm going to be hopping on. I think uh, Anthony had to dip out to get the stream ready for Inter Worldwide, so I'm going to hop on that in a few mo moments. We will talk to everyone next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.